0: Gracious God, on this beautiful day, fill us with your promise of new life, of forgiveness, of being a part of a new kingdom where your will is done, one in which we live into and expect and sometimes hope for. Give us that faith, that hope, and that love to turn to your kingdom and the promise of baptism. Amen. When our boys were young, we decided to venture into having pets. So we bought two hamsters, Snowflake and Oreo. Snowflake had nothing to do with political uh, affiliation at that time. Unfortunately, Oreo was able to escape on several occasions. Oreo was a bit of a rascal. What's interesting is how we were able to entice Oreo to come back. We had a twofold strategy. Uh, number one, leave her cage open in case she just wanted to come back and hop on her little training wheel. Might that entice her to return? A little workout. The other enticement was food. Carrot bits in a trail leading to a makeshift stairs into a bucket, which had more food and no exits. Yes, it was a trap. Which option do you think enticed her back into captivity? You'd think so, wouldn't you? A few nights after she had escaped, we were wondering whether she would ever come back. The morning had already begun. And suddenly we heard the wheel cranking away downstairs. Oreo had returned to her open cage and was in full sprint mode on her training wheel. Why had she returned to her cage? Well, obviously, on her travels, she had eaten too many exotic foods and now needed a workout. (laughs) Go figure. Who would have thought that's how you catch a hamster? I know some of you are saying, well, if you'd put carrot cake in there instead of just carrots, the result would have been different than the food would have won. And that would have worked for me, yes. Unfortunately, Oreo escaped uh, again a few days later. And again, we set up the same two options. And it worked, except this time I found Oreo in the bucket, uh, plump and round and chuck full of carrots. So Oreo, the old training wheel option didn't quite look so good this time, huh? And yes, Oreo escaped several more times. But it was, in each of those times, it was the food bucket that brought her back each time. Well, Oreo is a bit like you and me, folks. Uh, (laughs) We have good intentions for our various self-improvement plans. But then often we are soon back to the path of least resistance. I mean, think about it. Why work out when you can uh, uh, go to happy hour for some buffalo wings and a couple of craft beers? Uh, Why spend time in prayer when there are so many apps left on your phone that you haven't yet checked today? Okay, that's me. Why volunteer at a soup kitchen when you can avoid the underprivileged altogether? Many of us view faith and religion this way. I mean, it's something we should do better at, um, but as much as we try our self-improvement plans to be better, Christians just sort of of, kind of fall short. Um, They fall short because we are all inevitably bound to our sin and to our brokenness in this broken world. So the power of positive thinking just won't get us very far, certainly in spiritual matters, even when we're trying to do it for God. Either we're just too tired, or our various appetites or crutches carry us in a different direction. But sometimes religion and life is an achievement for us that can generate great resolve, just like Oriel the first time that he escaped. So, we try very hard to be productive and to accomplish things, and we muster considerable discipline and head for the training wheel, thinking that we can justify taking up time and space, we can justify ourselves, as Luther was fond of talking about, and make a name for ourselves as the... Babylonians were fond of doing. Let's make a name for ourselves. And this, I would suggest to you, is the most malignant form of rebellion against God. The person who doesn't really need God, just give me the instructions, God, I'll take it from here and do it on my own, and then embarks on a Tower of Babel-like project in an attempt to reach God on his or her own terms. This, of course, is the opposite of faith. It is an illusion. The illusion is that we are somehow like God. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. And then, literally, life is a treadmill, that old cliche, and not in a good way. Then we just get worn down and tired. Our lesson today from Romans reminds us that spiritual transformation comes not through self-help programs, ambitious striving, or having all of your desires satiated somehow. It comes from dying and rising, dying and rising through baptism so that we might live a free life and a new life. This is much more radical, you see, than any of our attempts to muster up more resolve. As Paul wrote in Romans, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Think about that one. Therefore, you've been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is a life and death matter. In Christian baptism, you see, we've left one world behind. We have died to that world, the world of sin and death, and been freed from that world. And in that same baptism, we have been relocated, relocated to a new one, or uh, as Allison put it, a new team, a new world promised to us by God based on grace and love where life can flourish. It's nothing less than the world created by the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, it is a forever family. As Paul tells it in Romans, the liberation of, uh, in baptism is very akin to the exodus for the Jews who were delivered by God from slavery, crossed the Red Sea, there's your water reference, and eventually entered the promised land. They were relocated to another country, another land. Like the Exodus, baptism is all about a pathway created by God to another world, a world where life is nurtured, not crushed. The book and movie uh, Prince of Tides, some of you may have seen that or read it a while ago, is in part a story about children growing up in a really dysfunctional family who recognize this as children, and yearn to break free from that prison that is their childhood world. In the opening monologue, narrated by one of the adult children, we find out that these children, in fact, located another world, however temporary, where they were free. A world that is rich with baptismal imagery. Let's just look at part of that Prologue to the movie. Another world. One that was different than the one that they were used to. One that they needed desperately. As he described it, a silent, soothing world. Bound by flesh and blood and water. And if that isn't uh, chock full of Christian imagery... As people who believe in Jesus, we too have been given the freedom of another world. Yes, one bound by flesh and blood and water. There you have the two sacraments according to Lutheran tradition right there. The water is our baptism, and the flesh and blood are the body and of, blood of Christ of which we are a part. We are united to this body. It is this flesh, blood, and water that saves us from a broken world of growing and multiplying burdens and gives us the possibility for meaningful change in our lives. And this possibility is pure gift. We couldn't generate that on our own. Now, none of this is to suggest, if this sounds a little too fanciful, none of this is to suggest that Sin has died. We uh, would beg to differ on that count. It is still around. It still lives on in this world. It still knocks us around, disfigures us, calls to us. Obviously, we still sin. Baptism does not mean that sin has died, but that we have died to sin. Through our union with Christ, we have died at the hands of sin and risen again with Christ so that in Christ, sin cannot destroy us any longer. It no longer reigns over us. My favorite verse here are, For sin shall have no dominion over you. We've died to sin. We live in a different world now, one of grace and love. So... Paul would say, and Luther after him and many others, rejoice and act like it. Act like you'd live in a different world and this is what defines you. And yes, then, get to work. All kinds of room for goals and determination after we've been relocated, redefined. Another way of putting uh, putting it is that we've been freed from the power of sin and uh, joined the resistance. We're on a new team now, there's team again, but need to constantly remember who we are because if we want, we can let sin rule us again and give it all up. That's what we want. While the gift of grace and rebirth has been given to us, yes, the fullness of God's reign has not yet been established, so enslavement remains a possibility, enslavement to the wrong things, because we are not completely free from sin. This makes you, however, free to be a part of the resistance movement. If you're completely bound, you're not free to resist. If you're already in paradise, there is no struggle. We're in between. There's a struggle. But we've been set free. You are a part of the resistance Yesterday we had some roofers over to do work on our house. Um, took a little break from writing my sermon. I went out to see how they were doing and discovered that one of them was a member of my former church and is now a member of Recovery Church in Saint Paul. This is a church comprised of folks who are in recovery from chemical dependency. And then he went on to say how real everyone is at at, at his church, you know. And I asked him what he meant by that, and he said, "Well." At Recovery Church, we all know why we're there. Uh, That we've been saved from our own self-destruction and we are now totally dependent on God. That's what he meant. In a word, they are free from prison. And they know it. They are recovering and living a new life in a whole new world. Well, let's not kid ourselves no matter who you are. A Christian church is no different. We are all recovering in our own way. We've been rescued from a sickness unto death, as Jean-Paul Sartre called it. We call it sin. And it is both perpetuated by us and it is done to us. And now we are free to live in a new world where God's Son, Jesus, has shaped its contours. It is a world based on wholeness not brokenness. It is a world based on love and forgiveness where life thrives as it was intended to. As members of the recovery church know all too well, staying in the new world of sobriety, gifted to them by Christ, and it's only given to them by a higher power. They understand that. Staying in this new world is critical. They can go back to their old world if they wish, and some do. But why would you go back to slavery when you were made free? Why? In closing, this is why Martin Luther wrote that as baptized children of God, we are daily called to die to sin, and rise to newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's that in-between time where we live. It's not easy, is it? That's why we reaffirm and remember our baptisms once a month in worship, to remember who we are and what team we're on. May all who are here today daily die and rise in Christ, and may we do so as a congregation. Amen.